0: Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.
1: Day one of the 2019 winter meetings here in San Diego, California. And I'm Kevin Franzen, just giving you a little update on what's going on today. we got Ryan Spielbergs of the Colorado Rockies, color analyst for them. Also of MLB Network Radio. He will be hopping on and discussing a few things but I thought it would be fun to talk a little minor league baseball. And, you know, with the possibility of having to trade some things, if you have anything, I think is a special, special deal. So Jonathan Mayo of MLB.com is coming up next, right here on Pine Tar for breakfast.
2: In the air Yeah. Down.
1: What up and welcome to a episode of Pine Tar for breakfast. This is Kevin Franzen at Kevin Franzen on Twitter. You can hit me up anytime. Ask some questions, get things rolling. Things you want to hear over at the winter meetings. Special day for me. Got to experience the uh, dog and pony show because that's what it is. People walking around the lobby. Uh, I didn't know. I kind of knew what to expect, but then it just got a little bit wow there's a lot of people here and wow there's a lot of people that just stand around and do nothing they bring a lot to the tape no they don't bring a lot to the table that's what it felt like uh you go to the second floor and you have an area where you know organization their networks and you know are, are covering what's going on today so it's been pretty fun it's pretty fun to learn pretty fun to see a bunch of old buddies old teammates uh people that you played for um you know, and, and just to see how people react within a lobby of the Steven Strasburg news as he signed today for seven years, $245 million, became official, I think is the main important thing that Zach Wheeler is officially number 45 for your Philadelphia Phillies, and I think that is a, a special time. Look, got to talk to Mac, Matt Klintak today. Uh, I was with all the scribes, yeah, all of them. Fantastic opportunity to catch up and understand what goes on in, in the suite. And, you know, first and foremost, uh, the questions were being asked to Matt about Zach. And, you know, now that it's official, what was it about uh, Zach Wheeler that intrigued them, you know, even with a little bit less history, knowing that his arm's pretty fresh. But seeing, you know, as Matt talked about, look, he's made 29 starts in the last two years that have gone seven or more innings. There's only two other pitchers in three other pitchers in in Scherzer Verlander and Jacob Degrom, so having him and you you add him. Look number one, Matt Glentag was talking about who do we pair up with Aaron Nola, who is going to be the elite level, um, who is going to you know match up and especially today with, with with Stephen Strasburg, so you know that you know you're definitely having to. To match up a Scherzer Strasburg, well, now you got Scherzer Strasburg versus Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler. That is a huge, huge deal. Um, you know, with the Mets and in the, in the top four that they have, you know that with Cole Hamels now in the rotation with the Braves and and the other arms that they have, and and Soroka and Fultonevich, that you're gonna have to match up, and you have to be able to. At the elite level, you're gonna if you're gonna want to compete for the division, it's not talking about World Series here. We're talking about for the division because we know how strong this division is. So here, Matt Clintack talk about that and and just the elite stuff, like legitimate stuff that Zach Wheeler has was pretty special, uh, and the timing of everything, how you know Cole Hamels and Zach Wheeler's markets really started to come together together. So it was you pick one or the other, and it wasn't about Oh, we don't want Cole Hamels. No, but you want a piece that's going to be there for a while. If you're going to spend the money, you're going to spend the money right, and he did it, and and doing it for five years uh, with Zach Wheeler, I, I think was the longevity they were looking for. Knowing that Aaron Nola is signed on for for you know years to come, to have the Zach Wheeler Aaron Nola one two combo together, I think is important. So going there and. Uh, knowing that Brian Price, the new pitching coach for the Philadelphia Phillies, is going to be such an asset to not only you know the current guys that are there, but a guy like Zach Wheeler can, is going to benefit from a guy like Brian Price. So being able to you know run those off and, and other things that we learned is uh, you're just south of probably twenty million dollars from the luxury tax, and that's two hundred eight million of where the the, the, the payroll is right now so if you do the math it's a little over 188 right now um, that's a lot of that's a lot of coin and look they're gonna have to get creative now the next step is the infield and how are we gonna do that in the next couple of days hopefully we're going have an, uh, a signing I could talk about it here on the podcast but you know I thought today would be a great day to bring out a few things and, and number one being a first timer here at the winter meetings uh, it's interesting, as I said, to say the least. But uh, bring on a guy that I, I've played with and played against, uh, whether it was college, in college summer league, or in the in the big leagues, Ryan Spielborgs, who is of the Colorado Rockies. Uh, I had a great conversation with him early this morning, and we talked just about winter meetings, and then how did the Rockies and Phillies match up if we need anything. I'm sitting here in this uh, open... I don't even know, a little meeting room for all MLB teams that nobody's in. But I'm sitting here with Ryan Spoborg's former Rocky, now turned color analyst and MLB Network Radio, and just an overall good dude. And 1-9, what's up?
0: What's up, 1-9? You know, it's funny. <laughs> so you have, have to give away to the audience. Uh, we have these real fancy headsets on right now, like super fancy. Uh like, Kevin has pulled out all the stops. He, he's got us, like, this special studio uh, amongst MLB Network, all these people here. Um, in reality, he's holding an iPhone with a pop-it on the back side of it with the number 19 that says 19 for life. That's our foundation, family foundation. What I, I love it. I love it. Well, I, I I mean, look, we're in
1: this technology world, and I got this computer in front of me. Oh, it's, no, it's, like, my big Max iPhone right here. And there's nothing better than interviewing you, and I feel like you know for my first winter meetings, my first experience of this whole thing i got I got get someone with some experience seven winter meetings for you. What are you expecting out of this thing
0: um to get drunk at some point <laughs> I mean like, for for real when you, when you the very first time I came to winter meetings um, i i didn't realize I was going to retire, so in two thousand and thirteen i was I was I, I got a phone call from his name was Kenny Miller, and he was uh, he was with um, Root Sports in Colorado, and he was like, "Are you interested in moving on from baseball?" I'm like, "Heck no! I'm a baseball player. I just finished the season in Japan." And um, the phone call was, I met my family in Hawaii, and uh, your bad, my bad, and it was halfway, you know, and I and I hadn't seen my family in about five months. It was cool. it was really disheartening. And like there's parts about, you know, being a player in Japan where like it's really enjoyable to play, but at the end of the day you also felt like a mercenary cuz I mean I was I wasn't there to make friends, I was there to make money. And like it really put in perspective like what what I wanted to do in life was be around my family. Like I love baseball, I love it more than anything, but it was taking it was sucking the joy mm-hmm. out of it. So when I got this call from Kenny Miller, And he said, do you want to move on from baseball and I have an opportunity for you in broadcasting? I said, no, I'm not interested. (laughs) And he was like, well, wait, listen to this path that I have for you and at least meet me for coffee. And I was like, all right, coffee, I'll meet you. And so I sat down and had a conversation with Kenny Miller. And um, they said, look, we have a a chance for you to become a, a color analyst for the Rockies. We'd really like to have a former player. Um, That's current that people recognize that played for this team and that's you and you've also been really nice to people When you were a player and so we think that you have a good chance to fit And so I said, okay, you know, like let me think about it Let me dwell on it And uh, I spent about four months kind of thinking about whether I wanted to do television or not And so when I decided to do it uh, One of my first assignments was go to winter meetings And I get to winter meetings and now I'm a TV dude and it's my first winter meetings and I'm walking through the lobby and it was here in San Diego. My first winter meetings was here in San Diego. I'm walking through the lobby and there's a bunch of former players asking me, What am I doing? And I'm like, Well, I got in TV, and they're like, How the heck did you get in TV? I'm like, I don't I don't know. I literally just got it. And like in hindsight now, as I come to winter meetings, and winter meetings is more of like getting back with the boys, reconnecting, yeah. all of baseball's here. But it was a it was such a stark contrast between, I had no idea that I just was given the keys to a pretty fancy car, yeah. and there were guys that had better names, better resumes than Terrible I
1: personality, <laughs> <though>. <laughs> Terrible
0: personality though. <laughs> Terrible personality, but that were looking to do what I was doing, and I had no idea. And like, it hit me, the first winter meetings was that I felt really fortunate to be on the right side of the game.
1: So we're sitting here, <clears throat> And, you know, let's put on your, the rocky side, right? And, and being on the Phillies and, and, and talking about them and being a color analyst for them, you're on the rocky side. How do we match up in a trade? Something around, around there. Because I feel like at this winter means it's going to be different than the last couple of years. I feel like there's going to be action. Could they match up?
0: Sure. I mean, there's a, a lot of interesting arms that the Phillies have. Um, yeah, I think the Phillies have been looking for additional outfielders. I think there's some depth at second base that could be, you know, an opportunity for the Rockies. Um, I'd love to have JT Real Muto, but that's not happening. No, no, no. no He's <laughs> off limits. He's off limits. <laughs> uh, my assumption is that, look, the Rockies are not going to add salary and payroll, at least publicly. That's that's what they've alluded I think it's there's a lot of there's a lot of young, you know, controllable players in the Rockies organization position players that, you know, might have some value for the Phillies. Um, I think with the Phillies standpoint, if they do go into the free agent market, there's probably going to be some number, some names out there of established pitchers um, that might fit uh, a Rockies kind of profile as far as controllable and uh, under, you know, under a certain salary structure. So, I mean, there is a potential that that is a pretty good fit.
1: Well, you and I have always talked about it and and you've always alluded to, the Rockies will always develop the hitters. You know, it's the pitching that they're always at. Everyone's always after pitching, but the Rockies more than anyone. And and like the profiles of certain guys. And as we see, you know, the the four seam fastball and and less from the sinker guys, you know, there's no Aaron Cooks now anymore. (laughs) Throwing the, you know, the, the deadly sinker. But for the most part, I mean, the Rockies have you some young arms. You know, uh, Marquez is is I think number one for everyone. Everyone would love to have him. Could they give him up?
0: Oh, I, I can't I can't picture any scenario where the Rockies are trading away controllable, valuable asset. I mean, like in Herman's case, if you looked at when he got shut down in August, he got shut down leading the National League in innings pitched, and he was right up there in strikeouts. And so, if if you're a Rockies team looking to trade one of your your better starters you better i mean like it's cost effective too yeah it's like it's almost it's it's almost unreasonable for the rockies in their in their model and how they're trying to be successful to trade away controllable pitching that's been successful i can't imagine it it would have to be you know it would have to be the where the phillies empty the farm and it's it like I I can't picture a scenario (laughs) where they match up to where they're like, all right, we're willing to do this for this.
1: All right, so put on your MLB network radio hat. What's the one,
0: like one or two moves that you want to see happen here? I'd really like to see one of the big free agents come off the board. I think it's going to happen. Like
1: um, right here at the actual meetings.
0: I think we're, I think there's a chance that, you know, a, a Rendon, a Strasburg, a, a, you know, I th- I'd love to see a Garrett Cole. I think the way the market has moved this year, it's been a lot more fast-paced, and it, I, th- I like that. It's also telling me that the trade market hasn't been established mm-hmm. yet because I think last year and the year before part of the reason why the markets were so slow is that you had some teams that were looking to trade the marlins from two years ago really screwed up the the entire free agency period because you're trading guys like yelich and stanton and ozuna those are those are top names and so it stalled the entire free agent market i think this year what we're seeing is that the trades that are being kicked around aren't viable and and there's not a team that's looking to just dump and and the teams that were dumping they did it through non-tenders and so it's a little bit different of a dynamic this year where because of that i think the free agent market um, is a lot more viable and if you look at especially with starting pitching this is legitimately this is like the last mile marker before there's not another rest stop for 100 miles Like. This is the spot where if you look at starting pitching, a Keiko, a Baumgartner, a Garrett Cole, a Strasburg, the list goes on, even a Cole Hamels from a couple days ago. Next year's starters market is not good. No. The starters market in two years, not good. So this is it. Like If you want to build a franchise, even if you're a year too too early, get your pitchers now.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's going to be interesting, and I think, you know, in the next couple of days we're going to see some action going. All right, at SpillyGoat19 on Twitter, at Kevin Franzen. It's more pine tar for breakfast coming up next. Oh, and that's a beauty right there. Ryan Spielborgs, he is a phenomenal analyst for the Rockies. But, again, like I said, overall good dude, and he just loves the game as much as I do. And being able to talk about matching up, Obviously my dream of having Marquez in the rotation would be phenomenal, but you're gonna have to give up a lot for that. And they're really in belief, the Colorado Rockies of they could develop any hitters. It's the pitching that they're always gonna want, they're always gonna demand, and so keeping a guy like Marquez is of utmost importance. So with that, I thought let's you know, how do we what do we need to talk about more than anything right now? When you supplement a high payroll, you have to have those those minimum guys right now. And the minimum guys coming up from the minor leagues of development where you're under control, cost control for a few years. I thought, why not? Let's bring on Jonathan Mayo from MLB.com. He's the the draft guru. He is the minor league baseball insider as far as from MLB.com he ranks. He is the guy that actually ranks the top thirty prospects for the Philadelphia Phillies, and he, as he, he and I were talking off air, it's a very intriguing top thirty class, one that you just don't know where it's going to go. You can't predict on on so many. There, there, there's so many teams right now that have farm systems that are just there that have enough guys. They just don't have the top tier talent. Then there's the guys that have like the, the high upper end guys and not a lot of depth. Then there's the teams that have some really good high end uh, top tier talent. And then the guys behind it to supplement it. And he'll talk about, you know, later on and being able to uh, in, in trades, not take away from such a strength in your minor league system where you have nothing behind and being able to have a couple guys. and, 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 you know, if you, Deal one pitcher, you, you have a couple behind them that could replace. So I thought that bringing on Jonathan Mayo would be good. So, Jonathan Mayo up next here on Pine Tar for Breakfast. I'm sitting here with Jonathan Mayo at Jonathan Mayo on Twitter. And then you have, let's see, the greatest coverage of draft and MILB in, in all of sports. So you can get him on MLB.com. You represent a lot for just MLB.com in general. Jonathan, how are you? I'm good, Fran. It's good to be with you again. Go, we go back a long way. Arizona Fall Leagues, all that stuff. We're not going to go how far back, but you know, welcome to the Pine Tar for Breakfast uh, podcast. Uh, it is a special one, um, and I thought something that we needed to talk about was the minor league system for the Phillies. And as you see, all these guys, and, and adding like a guy like Zach Wheeler to the mix for the Phillies. Um, you have to be able, and, and Bryce Harper, you have to supplement it with, with minor league guys. And you have to have guys that come back and, and you know, the Juan Sotos, the Victor Robles's. We, we've seen it all along and in the division. Right. Acuna, Albies, all this. Pete Alonso in New York. Oh, even. my gosh. Uh, Jeff McNeil. I mean, you're, you're talking about guys that are, are very good, but they help a roster that has the high-end talent. So if I were to say, Jonathan Mayo, who would you say and would love to talk about with the Philadelphia Phillies? as far as the minor league prospect, who's the guy that jumps out? Is it Spencer Howard? Is it Alec Boehm? Is it, you know, a Bryson Stott? Well,
3: I, you know, if you're looking for guys who are going to help sooner, um, I think you start with Bohm and Howard, who are the top, you know, the, the top two guys and you probably could have an argument, you know, as to who should be the number one prospect and who should be the number two prospect. Uh, the list we have now is, has Bohm first, Howard second, but highly questionable list. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, he, you know that I do their top 30, so <laughs> yes, thank you I do. very much. Yes, um, I do. But it does – I mean, it's it's a little outdated at this point, but it's going to be those – you know, those three will be the top three. Bryson Stott, their uh, their number one pick from the draft. So that's the top three.
1: Well, let me let me stop you right there because okay. I think it's it, it's interesting because I think we always talk about the top-tier talent, right? They, the top guys, the number one. Who's the number one prospect? Is it Alec Boehm? Is it Spencer Howard? Bryson Stott? All this stuff. Mm-hmm. Is it more important to have that – legit number one or two guy in your system or is it the ability to have a lot in that top 30 that are legitimate you know what I mean that are in your guys MLB you know top 100 prospects well the answer is yes Mm -hmm. Uh, you know I think I, I think that the
3: best systems have potential elite level uh or or you know I don't want to say star level, but, like, guys who are at least going to be big league regulars, like Mm -hmm. at the top, but they have a chance to be elite level, but also have depth. Because, you know, what depth does is not only gives you more possibilities of guys making up to the big leagues, and you need now 26 guys to fill out a big league roster. So having a guy who's maybe 28th on the top 30 or not even on the top 30 uh, but could be, you know, a middle reliever, you need that, or a backup Mm -hmm. catcher, you need that, you know, so – uh, to have a little bit of both would would be good. And the Phillies, I think, you know, they have a couple guys at the top or elite level. Than it was, you know, they went through the whole rebuild, and some of those guys came up. Some of them have been used in trades. And that's the other thing: like if yeah. you have depth, you can afford to trade a guy or two, knowing that you're going to have more coming up, uh, you know, as time goes on.
1: So okay. I- Let's let's break it down with the, the first two guys sure. we mentioned, and Alec Bohm, Spencer Howard. Let's start with Alec Bohm. Third base or first base, what do you see? Batter's box.
3: <laughs> um, <laughs> he'd be That's f- a great one. You know what? Listen, I think uh, he'd be very good at first. I think he actually probably has a chance to be solid average, if not above average, defender like almost, at first base.
1: Almost the length of Matt Olson. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. I'm not saying because Matt Olson's special with the o- Oakland A's, right. but the length. I think he – because, you know – and I'm
3: not saying that he won't be able to play third. I just think his bat is moving him so quickly. I saw him in the fall mm-hmm. league. And I kind of was expecting to be, I don't say unimpressed, but I was like, yeah, college bad. It seemed like not such a, okay. And he had a very good first full year, like a very good first full year. But, I'm like, man, he can hit. Everything mm-hmm. is loud. His approach at the plate is so good. I mean, and I think there's going to be – I think he's going to be the kind of guy that's going to hit for more power once he gets to the big leagues. You know those guys? Yeah, who like they grow into it. They right, understand it. Right, and then they learn how to use it more, and he's a hit-over-power guy, and then the power is going to come. So I think he, I think he's going to be a special hitter. So then it really doesn't matter where he plays. I think probably eventually he settles in at first base. I just think he's a little too big to stay at third, especially if he fills out and loses a step. He works very hard at it, but, you know, he, he – you know, he was playing first base in the fall league. He didn't look bad, considering, you know, he's played some over there. But I think that, um, I mean, if I were the Phillies, I would be tempted, unless he's really invested in still being a third baseman, to just say, you're f- just focus on first base. Um, become a good first baseman, but let that back get you to mm-hmm. the big leagues. I don't think he's that far from being able to impact that that big league lineup.
1: And I think when you say hit over power, and I, and I love that because I think, the development of hitters is so important. Yes, the power thing is is, is we, we see in a lineup We see how it can transcend some certain lineups uh, But being a hitter first and being able to see that and seeing the growth of Alec Bohm and, and you know The home runs were there this year. It's not like he didn't hit them, Right, uh, but the ability for him to hit and be able to hit to all fields hit it and, and actually with natural power to right center center field can he be you know you, you're not. You don't like to project. Oh, he's a 40 home run. That's not your style. Like you just you like to say this guy's going to be a really good hitter. This guy's going to have you know hit with power and all that stuff. Does he have the ability in your mind to you know play in a Citizens Bank Park to be that 30 plus home run guy?
3: Yeah, I think I think he has that potential. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that if you're going to look at ultimate ceiling for Alec Bohm, he's a guy who all right. Let's say the power starts to come more, and so it the balance shifts. You know. If he were to hit 280 and hit 35 homers, I could see that. I also could see him being sort of more of a like a John Olerud, 300 and hit 20, 20, 25. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, who's, <laughs> either way, it's fine. I think he's going to drive in a ton of runs. He draws walks. He doesn't strike out a ton for a guy who has the ability to drive the ball like he does. So I think some of it depends on which direction he goes as he continues to, to mature both physically and, and just overall with his his game plan. And then like I, I don't know what the game is gonna look like, the you know, the what the baseball is gonna look like. <laughs> um you know, so
1: hopefully it's still round. Yeah, I think hopefully it will always
3: round. be round. Although that would be an interesting <laughs> move to try to help pitchers, I guess. Um, but uh, but you know, I mean, it's just uh, you know to project a guy hitting. It used to be projecting a guy to hit 30 homers. So, oh, I don't know, 30 homers is a lot. Yep. 30 homers does not seem like a lot these mm-hmm. days. So, uh, and and in that ballpark, yeah, I think he I think he could, could he certainly could get there.
1: All right, so let's go that one A one B. How about that? We'll sure. go that. I and mean, one B being Spencer Howard, and and we. As Philly fans and, and broadcasters, we've heard his name. Uh, I've seen him. I've talked to, you know, pitching coaches in, in at Cal Poly of his, and obviously they love the kid. Uh, he's special. He has a special arm. Uh, can that special arm turn into a front-of-the-rotation starter? Um, and you and I have talked about this before. I'm like, he's got that look and that, that, that repertoire. You're, you're not going to say that he's a reliever. But he could be a closer. I mean, he's like Papelbon. Like, you look at this stuff and you're like, dang. But for the Phillies' needs, can he be that starter that, you know, to go in and, and slot behind Aaron Nola Zach Wheeler at some point this year?
3: So I think, you know, there are two things at play. You know, if you want him to start, I think he could get big league hitters out tomorrow. I, I mean, the stuff will play. And you give him every chance to start because he can maintain that stuff deep into his starts. And, that, you know, that's the first thing you always look for, especially when a guy isn't the biggest guy in the world and maybe there's a little bit of uh, of effort in the delivery and he's a power guy. I think you look, well, is there a drop-off? You know, is he throwing 96 in the first, but by the third inning he's throwing 90? You know, that's not happening. He maintains it. The, and he has a full repertoire of pitches. He's not a two-pitch guy. Mm-hmm. He's got three mm-hmm very very good pitches
1: which is his best secondary that change up
3: I think the change cool. up, I mean that change up is ridiculous <laughs> you you almost don't need a breaking ball especially if you're yeah. a reliever it's weird you know, people always think oh it's like fastball slider is the is the mm-hmm. thing is the way but he could be he could be a fastball change up guy in the bullpen and that change up um gets so many swings and misses and weak contact like it's you don't need anything else and honestly he could probably start with those two pitches because that changeup is so good. And, it, and it's not like when we talk about, oh, you need at least three pitches to be a starter. On any given day over the course of the season, how many times do you see a guy have all three pitches working? Not often, but if you want to be a successful frontline starter, you need to have that so that you have two of them to go to when they're working so you can put the mm-hmm. changeup in your back pocket because it's not working, but the breaking ball is. Mm-hmm. He's got that kind of stuff. You know, command-wise, we have to see. We have to just wait and see. I think he needs some. He needs a little bit more time. But let's say, this is what I think I would do if I were the Phillies in 2020. You send him out as a starter in the minors. I don't care where you start him out, level-wise. I don't. It doesn't really matter. And uh, you let him keep working on all three pitches and stretching himself out. And then if you're competing and it's late in the year. Shorten him up and put him in the bullpen, unless there's a need in the rotation. And that doesn't mean you're giving up on him as a starter. You can put him back in the rotation the next year. But boy, that stuff coming out of the bullpen. I mean, I think we, I, you know, I think that'd be what 97, 98 oh. with the nasty whatever he wants to go to. But uh, I would still give him every chance to start. He's young enough. He's not thrown that many innings developmentally that you think, all right, well, he is who he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the command is the one thing that. like uh, you know, I wonder if he'll th- if he's going to throw enough strikes. Um, although, you know, as I say that these days, what do you need to go, five innings?
1: Maybe six? Five and dive. Now right. it's five and dive. Yeah. But five and dive isn't – it used to be five and dive, and, and guys are looking down on that. Now it's five and dive, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> right, well, and that's the
3: thing. So, like, to see him, to, you know – you don't need as good command because if he throws 110 pitches in five innings, okay, yeah. you know, but if you want him to be a top of the rotation guy, that's the guy you hope to go a little bit further. And, and maybe that will come in, in time for him, but that's the one small thing that makes me go, I'm not a hundred percent sure that he's that frontline starter stuff wise. Absolutely.
1: Let's go to Bryson Stott. Okay. Number one overall pick for the Phillies this year, shortstop out of UNLV. Uh, moved up pretty quick as far as being able to show that he could you know play shortstop number one but uh, the bat was there um, not saying projection wise but what'd you see I mean I mean there's we, we see we see the numbers we know the numbers can he develop into being a big league shortstop so I haven't
3: seen or talked to anybody about how he looked defensively in during his pro debut um, but You know, coming out of the draft, uh, you know, it looked like he could stay there with a really good offensive profile. Uh, Obviously, you need to see how it translates, and uh, not only from the college game to the pro game, but from Nevada um, to, uh, you know, to the pro game. Um, And so far, so good. I mean, he he had, you know, the approach was was good. So I always had a feeling he'd hit. Um, In worst case, maybe he becomes uh, like an above average or plus defender at second base who can hit mm. um, if he can stay short obviously that raises his profile you know that that much more um, it I think anytime you take a sort of an advanced college guy and you can sort of move him quickly and he handles that he hit that sort of already shortens that curve of what he needs from a development standpoint so you know now you could what start the year in clear water make it to reading yeah. you know uh, by uh, by mid-season, something like that, or even if they, you know, I know sometimes the Phillies like to start um, a little bit more slowly. You know, like Baum started in in Lakewood, and but the, but he wasn't as successful as as Bryson was in his pro in debut. His pro debut, right, right. Uh, well, he got dinged up. Dinged to up, be yeah. fair, to be fair, right. And it's not that I put that much stock into that first pro summer. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you've you and I have both seen guys who tear it up and then never do anything in, or absolutely tank and then are good after a college season sometimes guys are out of gas or whatever it is but what it does do is it enables you to uh maybe assign him a little more aggressively so he probably doesn't need to go to 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 Lakewood uh like Boehm did so i think he starts the year in Clearwater and then if he masters that level then he then he's in double a for half a year in his first full season and then you're already talking that maybe at some point in 2021 he's ready to impact the big league lineup that's like in a perfect world for a college guy
1: 100 percent. and the, like the guy's been in double a all year adonis medina um i think Phillies fans have heard his name plenty and they've you know when it comes to trades and everything and who do we give up and well medina stayed and just the thoughts on him being one of the top prospects in in the organization but Development-wise, maybe take a took a step back this year, and and, and not in a good way. It, usually, sometimes the, the step back is fine, but this one was, you know, velocity a little bit down, location control was was all over the place. What do you guys see?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing that because you know the previous steps for him, if you look at his numbers, they were always you know they were okay, but they're not great. You know, it was one of those things we were like. Boy, like all the reports on his raw stuff were so good, but he's not missing that many bats and you're like why is that why is that happening and but you know sometimes that's command within the strike zone, and maybe you know maybe he gets there, and that's why i mean he he was a top one hundred guy for just on the pure stuff, and the numbers were okay, the fact that he had a field to pitch was always good and then you know you go into sending a guy to double a in reading uh Expecting pitching numbers to be slightly inflated. But the issues he was having were not because he Mm -hmm. played in a friend in a hitting friendly ballpark. He just like you said, his stuff backed up some. Um, I don't know if he, you know, again, I haven't started digging into next year's list yet. I don't know if he just got a little timid um, because of the ballpark initially or whatever it was, or uh, he's not taken that, He hasn't had that breakthrough, that step forward that uh, I think a lot of people were hoping for based on that pure stuff. So he's kind of, you know, his star has faded a little bit with the understanding he's still young. Mm -hmm. he He could be the kind of guy that takes what happened to him this year and he learns from it and becomes a better pitcher. He also may be one of those guys that just doesn't ever quite figure it out, and maybe he ends up in the bullpen. And he was not a guy that I thought of as a bullpen guy because everything worked, and you know, and and this was not a guy that like, you thought, oh, he's not going to start mm-hmm. because he's too small or he doesn't have the stuff or he doesn't have the feel for pitching. He kind of had all of it, and he lost. He just lost it. Um, so you know, that can happen. I'm. I'm. I think next year is a big year for him in terms of trying to figure out where he where he is you know i think unfortunately for the phillies because his stock is down a little bit his value in terms
1: of being a trade chip as a prospect is not going to be as high that voice you hear is jonathan mayo from mlb.com covering the draft covering minor league baseball number one guru and that and that is a fact i have personal experience this is pine tar for breakfast we got a couple more with him. left-handed pitcher eric miller this year's draft pick for the Phillies and uh, out of Stanford. I'm not really high on that. Uh, as you know, San Jose State guys, but he showed a lot. I, I feel like in his short, short stint in, in the minor leagues, you know, coming out of Stanford, going through the draft process. Next thing you know, he goes and he's three levels. Uh, he struck out a, hell, a lot more than one, one per inning. Um, what do you think of him? Eric Miller as a starter reliever, a guy. Is he a guy that, like, really we could see in the big leagues this year if they were to, say, put him in the pen? Yeah, I think
3: it's all a matter of uh, of command for him, and f- and the command for him comes from his ability to repeat his delivery. He's a big dude. There are a lot of moving parts, and when he had trouble in college – He's a guy that, you know, people listen to this and they're going to go, they, they look up his college numbers and they're going to be like, I don't, I, don't, I don't get it. He's not like, well, he didn't dominate and, and things like that. But the stuff was nasty. I had scouts tell me, you know, that like pure stuff-wise, he had as good stuff as any college lefty in the nation. But, you know, he just got himself into trouble, deep counts, walks, so he could never pitch deep uh, into games. So can that stuff get ironed out? You know, maybe that's that'll be up to Philly's uh, player development uh, and, and their pitching people to, to try to figure out. I would definitely send him out as a starter because six four lefties
1: with nasty <laughs> stuff. You know,
3: I think he's six four. That's off the top of my head. There's
1: been good six four lefties in the uh, the organization before. You yeah, know, with the,
3: yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. You know, but anyway, a big lefty <laughs> with with plus stuff and multiple pitches. Like, you don't just automatically say this guy's. In yeah, the bullpen. He's yeah. not. He's not a five ten righty. He throws a hundred and two, and you're like, well, he clearly is a reliever.
1: He could be like Spencer Howard, though. Like what you were saying, like if if you get down to it at the end of the year and you're you're in it, you're contending, you don't need a starter, but you need some bullpen help. Like this guy can be a guy. Like he not like like oh, he's you know going to go. No, this could be a, a, a severe, like you know crippling. Uh, a, a guy to a, a lineup for one time through, maybe. I mean, it's, he's got that stuff. Or, you know, even if you wanted to wait
3: till, say, September, give him, you know, the, this is not a guy I think you br- would rush up unless he takes off and there's a need. Um, and then, you know, rosters expand and you want to add him to the 40 man early and you just need him to get some lefties out. Um, you know, there's not a lot of data on his splits. But his his breaking ball is stupid. Like it's gonna <laughs> miss bats. That's the pitch that I think could get you know could get big leaguers out now, especially in those in those shorter stints. You know, teams don't do this quite as much as they used to. Kevin, I think in terms of that like shortening a guy up and having him help out in the mm-hmm. bullpen for a little bit and then moving him back to the rotation. I mean, sort of like the Rays did with David Price. Mm-hmm. Everyone knew David Price was a starter, but you know, in that case, now the guys we're talking about here with Howard and Miller, they might be relievers when all is said and done. Um, I think I have more belief in, in Howard's ability to start than Miller's, but I also, you know, Miller's just starting out. But yeah, there's And no- it's not discrediting
1: them. It's not at all. Like, their stuff is so good. Like, what we've talked about, it's like, it's, it, people always look at that as a slight. It's like, no, that's not a slight, especially today's game, where being a reliever is so valuable. Yeah, you need it. It's not, you know, it used to be that the
3: relief pitchers were guys who couldn't start now you could take the time and give miller a little bit more time and, and you know as, as as just one example here and let him figure out starting and hope you know and hope that works out you know but if you, if you're the phillies and you want to compete in 2020 as everyone knows they want to do um and you have a guy who could help you in that role great and i don't think there's any you know uh, you'm know, I've never talked to Eric Miller, but if he, you know, if he's one who pays attention, people have been talking about, well, can he start? Can he not start? Pretty much throughout his college career, and 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 you know now in the start of his of his pro career, and you know he could put all those questions to rest if he comes out and he starts throwing strikes and he's repeating his delivery. And everyone can laugh at. Oh, well, see, we you know, listen. Once upon a time, people thought Max Scherzer might be a reliever. <laughs> Right. If you break down his delivery, which isn't all that different, you know, like it, it, it's not one that you go, oh, that's pretty. It's smooth. It's, you know, he, he had a head. Oh, whack. it's violent. Yeah, it's violent. And like, there were people that told me coming out of college, you know, he may end up in the bullpen. And not only has he been a starter, but he he, he doesn't get hurt. You know, so like
1: you just Unless don't see bunts it off his
3: face. Well, well, right, right, right. <laughs> that's a, He hurts himself. But that, right. So that's but, um <laughs> But, uh, but you know, my point being is, like, you just don't know how it might end up working.
1: Lastly, let's just let – any names that I think Phillies fans uh, could possibly look at as being maybe not the breakout guy, but maybe having the huge rebound years. Luis Garcia, could he could he, you know, rebound from just a horrendous year in Lakewood? I mean, but – and when I say horrendous, it's numbers-wise, but experience-wise that's not that all that bad to go through to have such a high of highs the year before uh, to, to go to Lakewood and struggle. Is he, is he that guy or someone that I'm missing on this one? No, I I think that's a good example
3: because people were really high on him. I had people trying to, you know, you know, tell me that he was a top 100 prospect and with some, you know, not just within the Phillies organization, people liked him. Sometimes that, that jump to full season ball is tough. Um, So, Uh, there is nothing wrong with sort of uh, even if he has to repeat the level um which i would probably make sense to me he's still so young i think that he is a he is a good uh a guy to keep an eye on and then um i think francisco morales is another guy just because it's just such a live arm and you you have to really kind of love the stuff and sort of see uh sort of which path he takes in terms of you know especially looking at a guy like medina mm-hmm. and so you don't want to get too excited yeah but i think morales has got like really really good uh, he's got a really good foundation to be a very good pitching prospect so he you know with young pitchers you never know when that light's going to go off and they take that big step forward but he, morales is a guy that i keep sort of waiting to see if he's going to uh jump into that sort of more upper echelon of pitching prospects
1: well i think you know for phillies just in general we, we've all been waiting for it you know something for the minor league system to produce on the pitching end that's going to be you know consistent in there and and as we've you know was it going to be Pavetta was it going to be you know Vince Velasquez but those aren't minor league guys those are you know guys right. basically coming over and being in you know the big league level at the right away. way but there's got to be that guy, and and I'm hoping that those, you know, the ones that we talked about could be them. Well, they traded the guy, you know. I mean, well, we're not, but for a good did. reason. I, see, oh, that, that might, like, more and more, I mean, it's fun to, you know, banter on this whole thing, but, like, that trade alone, how awesome was that? I mean, it was a need that they had in catching. Yes, they gave up Sixto, but it ends up being a great baseball trade because, yes, yeah, Sixto is, it, he's a phenomenal talent. But, like, JT Real Muto and what he did you know, throughout the year and who he is and yep. who he still can be. You know, I mean, as far as, like, have we seen the best? Right. I mean, my gosh, that was a, a lot of great talent in that in that trade alone. Well, I think that speaks
3: to the need to have, you know, high-level talent and depth, right, because it's not just getting guys to, to the big leagues. You know, you, you talked about the Nationals, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so they got Juan Soto and Victor Robles, and, and they made huge contributions to, you know, yep uh, really young guys, but they also have used prospects to make trades and not trading their their top guys. They kept Juan Soto. They haven't traded um, Carter Kaboom, right? Because they they think he's going to be a part of their future. So finding that that mix and that's you know, if you have the depth, then you can but
1: also stealing Trey Turner from the push.
3: <laughs> well, that's a whole. We don't have. I don't think we have time for that. Yes being really smart about it too right i mean so and making making savvy trades like that is absolutely part of it you know uh like the houston astros you know they did an incredible job when they were rebuilding of not just uh you know drafting although they swung and missed the two number one overall picks but like they would make trades for guys who were like in rookie ball that no one ever heard of who are now pitching in the big leagues things like that so uh, there's so many aspects that, that, that figure into it, but you need depth in your system so that when you get competitive, yes, you can plug, uh, bring a guy up, and he can have an impact like Juan Soto did in, in Washington, um, but then you also can trade a guy away, but it doesn't leave mm. your minor league cupboard bare, you know, where there are some systems you trade away a really good prospect and then there's no,
1: then there's nobody it. there. Right. Well, Jonathan, I appreciate you taking, you know, that's a lot of minutes that you spoke here. You're not used to that you at I, all, right? <laughs>
3: you, and I, you and I like to chat. We you know that's it's all good.
1: Well, we have a passion for the game and what you bring to the you know the draft, the minor league side, even to the big league side, because when guys get called up, you're right there for everything. We appreciate it, and thank you for coming on Pintar for Breakfast. Franny, anytime for you. And with that, I mean, why not just close it out on that? Anything for you, Franny. So until tomorrow and December 10th the second day of the winter meetings here in San Diego California this is Kevin Franzen and this has been Pintar for Breakfast at Kevin Franzen hit me up on Twitter if you want anything answered tomorrow and go Phil peace